Well, then you, uh, you have no faith in the reforms that are being effected in Germany. Well, I don't know, Mr. Wilson. I, I can't believe that people can be reformed except from within. The basic principles of equality and freedom never have, never will take root in Germany. The will to freedom has been voiced in every other tongue. All men are created equal, liberty, egalite, fraternity, but in German... There's Marx. Proletarians unite, you have nothing to lose but your chains. But Marx wasn't a German, Marx was a Jew. There's no clue to the identity of Franz Kindler, except one little thing. He has a hobby that amounts to almost a mania. Podcasts. Oh, no. <laughs> this is spoilers. Uh, this is spoilers. <laughs> I don't like where that leads. <laughs> yeah, that, that doesn't make me feel comfortable. No, at all. not at all. <laughs> Says a lot about this podcast, Josh. Anyway, this is spoilers. <laughs> Welcome to oldie spoilers pap this might be the oldest movie we've ever done and i'm gonna start with you tonight as we go around the table before we get to the movie but this orson welles flick are you familiar with his work like at all i think we've all heard of like war of the worlds and citizen kane and stuff but you got any knowledge nuggets for us yeah, he was in an animated show uh, called Pinky and the Brain as the brain, and he was fantastic as the brain. Yes. Um, this is Pappy recording from Kalamazoo, Michigan. Orson Welles, I don't know. I mean, I don't. I haven't seen a lot of Orson Welles movies, but I haven't seen a bad Orson Welles movie. Uh, the Third Man, if you're into noir, amazing movie that he has more of a smaller part in. Citizen Kane, I don't think it's the greatest movie of all time. But the Roger Ebert commentary does live up to the hype as the greatest like DVD commentary of all time. It's so fascinating. Roger Ebert's like passion for the movie. Like you'll like Citizen Kane ten percent more, no matter how much you like it after you listen to that. Um, but yeah, I, Orson Welles has that distinctive way of speaking, right? I think we've talked about that before. Like most of the most iconic actors, Tom Hanks, Jimmy Stewart, Marlon Brando, John Wayne, like they all kind of have a specific voice and Orson I, I can't do a good Orson Welles I don't know if anyone on the pod can but I, I don't know uh, I mean nothing's better than his wine commercial though I think that's the last <laughs> thing oh. if you haven't watched if you haven't watched him say well oh, the French it's it's worth looking up uh, <laughs> that's probably my favorite work of his I feel like he's weirdly good looking in this movie but we can maybe get to some of that stuff later our Latest host, Stevie, that's you. You very recently hosted the collection for us. What's happening? I say this a lot, but you watch a lot of movies. So I would like to know from you, you just saw The Stranger. Are there any modern movies you might compare it to? So I racked my brain over this. I started going through movies I'd seen, some close. I would say Point Break is kind of on the level. Um, A History of Violence is certainly on the level of this. Um... The new uh, horror movie that came out, I think, last year, me and Pappy did it. The Lodge reminded me a lot of this. Um, Gone Girl. Weirdly, I put Coco in this category. I know it sounds weird, but I saw a lot of Ernesto de la Cruz and Orson Welles' Franz Kindler and their vanity mm. come, come together. <laughs> um, Fuck that puto. Exactly. 
Exactly. You know, you meet somebody that you disagree with and you murder them in the woods. Uh, then I put Gone Baby, uh, let's see, Gone Baby Gone, uh, Gone Girl, and then just because I love that movie, I say Prisoners because it's a great detective movie and those are always fun. I feel like we could have talked that whole time just about Point Break, the very first one you said in that list and really dug into that. But I, I The reason I said Point Break, I know it's not a heist movie, but when you ha- when you know that someone's the bank robber, and you have a detective, and the detective doesn't know that the bank robber, bank robber. It's a lot of fun when they finally come to conclusions, and there's a lot of cat and mouse between us. That's why I put that on there. I gotcha. I yeah. see ya. Pappy, you have Corey on here with Hedwig being the next most recent host, and that just can't be right. Even though I sold my soul for him, he did move up in the trivia order, so he's not on the schneid any longer, although it's been the longest since he hosted. Interesting. Um, Kylo. Um, I feel like, why am I taking heat for that? That was Kylo's. <laughs> everyone, so to listeners at home, everyone was being super mean to me pre-podcast. I can ganged what? up on from all sides. I, I'm just a poor pappy here. I can't do anything right, apparently. <laughs> well, I do have a couple questions for Kylo from Simi Valley. Um, I like to ask you about lore stuff, but I don't know if that really applies for a movie like this. So, do you like to watch older films like this? Like, have you seen any black and white fil- films recently? Um, and just side note, I was going to th- I was think thinking about asking you if there was like an Orson Welles Scientology connection, but I think I think we'll just stick with like what do you think <laughs> about old old movies sort of thing. <laughs> this is Corey Kylo Ren memes. Let's see, black and white movies that I've watched. So yeah, let's see if I uh, have seen some classic cinema. Let me know if these qualify. Mank. <laughs> Clerks. <laughs> Clerks was next. The Lighthouse. And Dead Man. So those are the black and white movies I've watched within the last few years that just come to my mind immediately, Josh. I don't, I don't really like classic films uh, for the most part. The pace is a deterrent for me although the pace in this movie is pretty breakneck probably for the time especially but more on that to come i know there's one classic movie that is widely beloved that i fucking hate and this one i've definitely seen a number of times the wizard of oz whoa don't like it too creepy (laughs) Uh, there's some creepy stuff in there but it's not that like it, it creeps me out so i don't want to watch it I just don't really find it fun. I find it pretty stupid. I remember even like feeling that way as a kid, which is weird, right? Because, you know, it seems like something a kid would like, definitely. But, I, Josh, I'm perfectly willing to answer any Scientology <laughs> questions you have. I'm, this, this podcast will get a lot of plays, and then it'll get taken down. But I'm willing to do it. <laughs> well, I'll just say I saw this connection. H.G. Wells, Orson Wells, War of the Worlds, Tom Cruise, Scientology... I just wondered if there's anything in that. Pepe Sylvia. <laughs> Pepe Sylvia. Science fiction. I mean, I can go as far into this as you want, Josh. I'm fine with that. But when people think of Scientology, they think of aliens, right? Mm-hmm. And there's two reasons for that. One is Battlefield Earth. One of the best games of 2019, Battlefield Earth. <laughs> A fiction book written by L. Ron Hubbard, not related to Scientology. And then, of course, we have South Park, 
which kind of like revealed secrets of Scientology in the most public way that has ever happened to Scientology. Scientology is not really based around aliens, though. It's just kind of like a thing they throw at you once you've spent like 50 grand and you're like your whole <laughs> life is immersed in Scientology. Like, guess what? Also aliens. And now you're, you're pretty much fucked. You can't leave. You have no other friends. If you if you do leave, you won't be able to talk to your family anymore. So guess what? You believe in aliens now. Nothing you can do about it. <laughs> Damn. Hey, if I get to the fifty grand tier and then they tell me aliens, I'm all in. <laughs> I, I got to know about those aliens. So I'm I'm investing even How more. How much to, to know meet about the, the aliens? aliens. <laughs> no, there's none of that. It's all like this. The South Park episode is pretty accurate in terms of what is revealed to you as a Scientologist when you do one of the very, very, very last steps of your auditing program called OT3. Okay, let's not get this episode pulled. One of those voices you heard in there cheering Corey on was Mikey. Um, Are there any aspects of black and white film you like? I don't necessarily think it's like your style, but I do think there's some very, very practical stuff that happens on screen. Josh, don't make any assumptions about my style ever again. Um, God damn. Uh, Corey brought up a really great movie, uh, The Lighthouse. I liked that movie a whole bunch, and I thought it was robbed in every sense at the Oscars. Yeah. Uh, uh, that movie was incredible. and um, But that, I mean, this movie is not like The Lighthouse at all in terms of what it's doing, but it has some cool shots, and I like... Uh, Early in the movie, there's a, a just a quick scene of a guy standing in a window, and it's very dramatic because he's just a shadow. And I guess that's what black and white movies offer is like super dramatic lighting and um, just like dramatic profiles on people's faces and stuff. And it's just uh, a different type of you have to like the lighting is totally different in a black and white movie. You got it's it's a totally different process. It's pretty cool. I thought of you, Mikey, when Orson Welles gets stabbed and thrown off the clock tower. And also when that one why? Conrad guy. <laughs> yeah, why would you think of Mikey? What does that mean? <laughs> when that one Conrad guy gets strangled in a practical way behind a bush. Like, I just think oh. those are very, like, practical effects for the time. And they're just funny to see. The practical effect of Orson Welles just falling on a man. <laughs> Someone else died so that he could actually be safe in real life. Uh, Brett Pappy says you are the most on the schneid with three ninjas does that sound right to you I just did the burbs Hmm. oh god damn it see I can't do anything right my bad (laughs) don't be so hard on yourself before that was after collection or before collection right after collection after I won, After. I won on I won on collection. So maybe we'll okay. just get that right for the end trivia. For for intro questions, it's not that big of a deal. But Brett, you have kind of established yourself as our like you're a big WW2 guy. You just love the war and all the killings and everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What? I do like to learn about it, but I mean I'm a little rusty, I guess, but no, I know, but this movie is kind of astounding to me because it's 1946. Like, do you know anything about the state of the country? And was this paranoia that Nazis are in uh, everydayville America? Like, was that? It must have been kind of a real thing, right? Yeah, it is really weird. 1946. I, just to throw a weird one out there, a movie Pappy and I have talked about. 
Mrs. Miniver came out in 1941. You read my 1941, mind. 1941, about World War II. Yeah, exactly. While the World War II was going on, and we were losing the war. Like, it's crazy if you go back and watch that movie. Um, sorry. Yeah, side note. Um, you know, everyone was pretty happy. I guess you had VE Day in May 1945 and VJ Day uh, September 1945, but things were a little glum still. And yes, I think everyone was pretty worried about Nazis, but at the same time, it's kind of like out of sight, out of mind. Like, oh, they can't come over here. They're over there. And as we know now, a lot of them went to South America. (laughs) They couldn't possibly fly. I think there were bigger problems than Nazis kind of going around who I think just by definition wanted to blend in. So I don't think they were going around killing people. Uh, But like there was kind of like to bring it back to our podcast of... Winter Soldier, kind of like when the blip happened, there were like kind of a lot of jobs and housing shortages and stuff like that. Because, you know, it's like, oh, here comes a million people back home. So I think it's kind of funny in relation to this movie, Josh, is, you know, that guy hustles people on checkers for 25 cents a game. That's actually over $3 or what it would be now. So like not a lot of money going around. That guy is probably cleaning house. I mean, he's like the world's greatest checker. I don't know how people don't see his moves coming, but... How different would this movie be, Brett, if it was set in Argentina? Just a bunch <laughs> yes, of Nazis that would just be a lot. You'd probably be filming and see a Nazi in the background just as an extra. Like, Let's be fair, though, with Project Paperclip, a lot of Nazis were welcomed here in the States as long as they were using their scientific talents for the government. Um, still weird to think about that happening. We gotta beat the <laughs> communists, Josh. That's all that matters. I, I feel like a lot of them defected before the outcome, though, right? Especially like the higher scientist people, right? Wasn't Warner? Was wasn't uh, Warner von Braun a, a Nazi? Right, but at the same time, how much control did he have in that? Like, was he really given an option not to be a Nazi? I, again, I don't know. But yeah, I think Warner von Braun or whatever. Yeah, I think he was. I mean, but hey. <laughs> So a little spoilers history. Uh, I call this Josh's sequel of Nazis trying to blend into America. The last one I did was Inglorious Bastards, and Hans Landa does not succeed in getting to his house in Nantucket unscathed, as we all know. Mm. And then in this movie, Orson Welles, great-looking Orson Welles, is not able to hold down the fort and... Harper, Connecticut for very long before he's caught at the end of the movie. But let's start all the way at the beginning. Leave the cell door open. That's all there is to it. Let him escape. In my view, it's all very irregular. It might entail the most embarrassing repercussions. Exactement. Certainly. It's the responsibility of the first magnitude. I'm sorry, Mr. Wilson, but you oh, must blast all this discussion. What good are words? I'm sick of words. Hang the repercussions and the responsibility. If I fail, I'm responsible. Leave the cell door open. Let him escape. Let him. It's our only chance. Oh, Mr. Well, you can threaten me with the bottom pits of hell. And still, I insist, this obscenity must be destroyed. Do you hear me? Destroyed! Do you guys think this is maybe the very worst part of the movie? We're set up and we're like in some war tribunal room. And for as much as I like Edward Robinson, this brief 
this brief little vignette on like let's let them go and follow him just doesn't really work for me. Trust your audience and just show it. I guess maybe right. You think like start with the um, scene in the train station or whatever, or like show him leaving and then you know you kind of just have people following him. He thinks he's getting away. How does it not work, Josh? It feels so bad. It's, it, it it tells us the entire like the entire setup of the movie, without really telling us the entire setup of the movie. You and like actually enjoy watching this though. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Well then tell me tell me that. Let's focus on the positive. What do you like about it? About I love the intensity that our detective, our man Wilson, is bringing to the table. <laughs> he is ready for a <laughs> fist fight in that room. He is the only one being like, we're not putting this fucker to death. There's bigger fish to fry. And he is all, like, he has my favorite quote of the entire movie. When he's screaming, what good are words? I'm sick of words. And he slams the table and he breaks his pipe. It's awesome. The man has a crippling nicotine addiction. That pipe is That pipe is, it tells us, yeah, it tells us, I mean, he's fractured his pipe. And he's also saying like, you know, consequences of letting him go. He's like, I'll take the consequences. Give me hell. I don't care. Like, I love that intro. To say it doesn't work for you is insane to me. I do like that line and the intensity a lot, Stevie. So I will give you those things. That scene feels so disjointed from maybe the rest of the movie and not like in a fun edit sort of way. And there's also a little trivia here too because initially this movie had... 15 extra minutes of the be- at the beginning of Orson Welles emigrating to America and his like blending in would have been cool to see. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's nearly as like intellectual as Hans Landa or anything, but Brett, do you think like let's put it this way, he's blending in really well. His American accent does is not to be detected, right? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's doing really well blending in until, you know, he goes on some diatribe about Germany and, you know, he blows it really, really bad. Like, you look Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, once the Jews got mentioned, that's when he just lost it. I mean... Yeah, he can't help but blow yeah, like, it. Yeah, he literally can't help it. Um, but yeah, I mean, Josh, as far as... A normal person blending in. I mean, he married a literally a Supreme Court justice's daughter. There are nine of those in the country, and he married one of their daughters. I mean, that's killing it. He's bold. Oh yeah, it's super bold. But like, I don't know. Like Josh said, he, you know, as long as nobody brings up Germany or or the Jews or something. I mean, he's. He's pretty hey, good let's at- all forget about that world war that happened last year. <laughs> <laughs> let's never speak of it again. I feel like sometimes, I don't know if you guys watched this movie multiple times. I did watch it twice since I'm host, wanted to prepare more. Um, I feel like you guys can be sharper sometimes on your first watch of things, but it seemed like to me the second time watching through this, like as soon as it was mentioned that Orson Welles' character liked clocks, he was like zoomed in on him. And then there's this weird like backtracking the movie does where it's like all of a sudden Edward Robinson, like the detective doesn't suspect him. 
and he has to have like this moment where he wakes up in the middle of the night. See, I was wondering if like if you think back to how phones were, right? And like you'd have like a party line where people from the neighborhood could listen in. I thought that the first call in where he was saying that he's above suspicion was like cover. You know what I mean? And that's why then he called back in the middle of the night when he thought no one would be listening to the phone line. That's what I thought was happening there, but I might be wrong. Mikey, let's rewind to like where the plot really starts. We got this guy who they refer to in the movie as like the little man or some shit like that. <laughs> what a terror. I'd be pissed about that nickname. <laughs> My nickname is the little man? <laughs> Yeah, call me little man one more time. Let's go. <laughs> but Mike, he comes to town. He's acting shifty. He's getting followed. Kind of for people who haven't seen the movie, what what's the plight here of the little man? Uh, he was in like a war crimes prison uh, wherever uh, Robinson. That's his name, right? The, the actor's name, Robinson, yeah. works. Um, and the, his plan was just like just unlock his cell door and let him go let's see what he does and it's a pretty bold plan because it's like a needle in a hate or just like a Hail Mary of a plan just uh, well let's hope he goes straight to Franz Kindler and <laughs> he does in Hartford Connecticut he where are they supposed to be at? He, they're like in South America somewhere and he gets a fake passport and he's on a boat and he's like, I'm traveling for my health. I think he goes to Argentina. Yeah. And he makes his way up to Hartford, Connecticut and finds uh, Orson Welles. How is he received by his old, like, captain, my captain, <laughs> my king? <laughs> uh, Well, he kind of just like sneaks up on him and Orson or uh, Han or Franz whatever we're gonna call him for the whole I'll call him Orson Welles the whole time I like it <laughs> um, yeah let's do that for sure uh, he stops dead in his tracks and he's like what the fuck is going on <laughs> he turns around and it's his Nazi friend and we won the war and his Nazi friend is like yeah it was just a stroke of luck by God or something that they left my cell door open and so I made my way here to you and I'm gonna blow both of our covers for us and uh, Orson is pissed about it obviously Um, and our little man is like he he feels like he's repented or something he's like confessed for his sins I guess he's what, what would you say he's Catholic or Christian now and he's confessing all that and he wants Orson to do the same Catholic or Christian I think you meant Catholic or Protestant I don't give a fuck it's all the same to me I don't care (laughs) I wanted to throw this over to Kylo because like is this kind of like something that turns you off about religion is like this dude's professing the end of his Nazi ship and he's like just tried to murder an investigator like literally an hour ago. <laughs> crazy person. <laughs> nah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't tend to to hold re- people that, you know, claim to be reformed against them if it makes them better people. I do think it's funny, though, that this guy, the little man, right? He is, he. so he was a criminal, war crimes, goes to this war crime prison, finds Jesus, gets super into Jesus. They just let him out. Like they unlock the doors and he just strolls the fuck out of prison. And he's like, Jesus did it. I love it. 
he's not just like a Christian now. He's like very, very into Jesus now, right? Like they yeah. make a point of that at several points in the movie. Jesus freak. And when he finds Orson Welles, Orson Welles, his like suspicious face is so fucking good. That was my, that made me laugh more than anything is that part in that movie. Yeah, I, I, I gotta agree. His face is amazing. I don't know what it is about his <laughs> face. He just looks, he has like such expressive eyebrows, kind of like Jack Black does and the mustache. <laughs> I don't know. He's, he's, he acts so much with like out saying anything, I, I would say. Agreed. And he has a good speaking voice too, but his, his acting, uh, just with his physicality in his face alone is, is wonderful. And he's, uh, this is his first like very shifty eyed scene. And we see a lot of that throughout the movie to varying degrees. And I quite like that a lot. Like uh, Mikey kind of mentioned it and, and Corey just mentioned that when they're talking, it's kind of like you can see Orson Welles doing kind of like a a face palm without doing it when the guy's like, oh, yeah, they just let me out. And uh, he's like, who? And he's devastated. And he goes, he says like God or Jesus. And Orson's like, oh, thank God. And then he's like, oh, and that one guy. And he's like, oh, crap. Like first foot second, he's like, oh, sweet. And then he founds out, yeah, you just blew it. He does kind of say, yes, God let me out, but this little devil man is following yeah. me. I think I killed him, though. <laughs> they freed you, so you lead them to me. Have you been followed? Were you followed here? Yes. Who followed you? The evil one. He looked like any other man. He was, he was dressed like any other man. He even smoked a pipe. But I recognized him through his disguise. And they kill him. I don't want to skip. You said the beginning didn't work for you. When the little man throws the rope weight down and knocks out <laughs> Edward G. Robinson, that looks so bad. Like the rope goes limp and then it cuts to him just laying on the floor. Like, I thought it that? missed him by a foot and a half, it honestly. It definitely did. It doesn't even come close to his head. Yeah, it's like so light. It would just like hit him in the back and he'd be like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> he would like get knocked out and fall on the ground unconscious from and it. And the little is- man presumes that he's dead based on <laughs> that. Yeah, it literally takes him two aspirin and he's back on his feet. He's fine. I he think- is definitely dead. I hit him with a rope. <laughs> I oh. think I would believe him a little bit more if he hadn't like tried to get an axe and given up like in two seconds. Yeah. <laughs> this is like yeah. a little insert shot they show. It's pretty funny. But Stevie, as much passion as you had for that intro scene and the intensity, I had for this little detail, and I am hoping that you can expand upon it. But Orson Welles, he goes ahead and he strangles the little man, and he almost gets caught by these students doing this paper trail chase. Oh my and God. Dude, it's strange. <laughs> they might as well. It's I very strange. Love it. <laughs> This was the PS5 back then, you guys. Was the paper trail <laughs> Some <race>. more time. <laughs> Pap, what's that movie about that boarding school where those two friends um, kind of like resent each other? School Ties? No, it's a book. It's a, a separate piece? A separate piece. That's what that reminded me of. Um, with those boys in like matching sweats and kind of that, hey, professor, we're going to play Rumble Boys in the Woods. Want to join us? It's like, no. It, it, it rumble boy. A dame's walking by. <laughs> Check out that dame. We're all gonna wrestle with our shirts off in the woods. Want to come join? Yeah, <laughs> we got a litter all over town. You want to come? <laughs> it's just, it's very weird. But um, I watched this movie twice too, Josh, and I thought 
at first I was kind of annoyed that all the suspension was taken out of the movie when uh, Orson Welles just announces himself as, yes, I am the Nazi at the 15-minute mark. Like I, yeah. like, I am the evil Nazi. But watching it again, I think it's good that Orson Welles got that out of the way to begin with because if you try to make it a story where it's, you know, is he a Nazi or is he not a Nazi? Is this guy innocent? Is he telling the truth? You're kind of leaving that bridge of, you know, I have sympathy for this character. And I think this uh, character of Franz Kindler is an absolute narcissist and an awful human being. So showing that right away, I think, was the absolute right choice. I think the movie was better for it. Disagree. Here's the thing, though. From what I've heard... Orson Welles wanted a movie where he was more sympathetic. Yeah, I don't think he can do it. This was one of the movies that he had the least control over because he just wanted to like produce the script so bad, so he gave up more of his like control power. And he later said that this was like his least favorite movie he made, even though it made the most in box office. But like I just think that's interesting how he wanted that character to be more sympathetic. It's him playing it after all right <laughs> now <laughs> yeah Mikey, you like that choice you said i i did not like that choice uh i i was really bored with the movie once they revealed it now josh i i remember you pitched it or i pitched it for you as like an among us type movie and we got to figure out who the nazi is <laughs> and as soon as we found out like stevie said so early i was so bored it was just i don't know it took like everything all of the suspense out of it. And I was like, Oh, it would have been so much more interesting if we had like maybe a cast of characters that we were trying to decipher who the Nazi is, but it's just like Orson Welles Nazi. And it'd be fine. Cause like Orson Welles, amazing actor. You would expect him to be the Nazi, but <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, it's just, uh, there was like, I was, I was so bored. And then we got to watch this old ass detective or whatever, run around and be bad at his job. And it's just whoa, like, whoa, yeah, whoa, whoa, you leave Wilson out of this, Mikey. Wilson did just fine. And watch him play checkers. He, he sucks. Yeah. He's my favorite part of the, my favorite part of the movie was Wilson. <laughs> Edward G. Rob. I just like Mikey's script where Edward G. Robinson sits down Mary and she's like, Hey, your husband is super sus, right? Now. <laughs> super <laughs> sus. Well, he does the the next best thing, and he's like, "Hey, your husband is a Nazi," and then he watches her run off and have a mental breakdown. <laughs> we should probably wait and follow her before her husband kills her. That's like his plan. I love everything you guys are talking about, but I can't let this moment pass. I'm going to give this another shot, Kylo. Will you please tell our audience exactly what these paper chasers are doing? I think this relic from the past really needs to be brought to life in 2021. Definitely. I love this shit. It's the funniest part of the movie. And it's just funny because it's like an old timey fucking 40s thing that people probably did. Uh, but these like <laughs> young adults, I assume college students, uh, in their recreation, they get a bag of trash Right, and one one of them runs with the bag of trash, spreading it all over town, in the woods and such, and then the others follow to see if they can follow it. Isn't that a, such a fun game that you follow the trash? <laughs> Wait, isn't there more trash game? I don't. If there is, they don't show us. <laughs> nope, that's pretty much it, man. You might run by a murder. You never know what will happen in these woods. 
Pappy, this is where I wanted to get to you because the paper chasers don't they don't stumble upon the murder, even though they should. But our boy Red, the dog, does sadly. <laughs> Can you run us through maybe the mm. section of the movie that in large part is kind of spurred along by this dog? Yeah, um, I do want to mention too, um, not quite peak weight Orson Welles, but getting there like on his hands and knees picking up the trash from the paper chasers is a really funny <laughs> sight. But Red is the beloved pet of Mary, the daughter of the Supreme Court Justice, who we, who we mentioned earlier. Um, she, it's a she, she, Red, I guess it's a he. He's a good boy. Um, he's a good dog. He has a good nose. He sniffs out the dead body in the woods, and Orson Welles just like straight drop kicks this dog. It's <laughs> oh really God. violent and terrible. I they mean, put in a good sound effect for it. Yeah, it's like an A twenty four movie, basically, with the amount of dog abuse. Origins of A twenty four. It is an A twenty four movie. Come here, Red. I think I'll take you for a walk. <laughs> is that what you're getting at, Josh? Uh, I mean, it's like. Orson Welles has got to deal with this dog because once the dog picks up the scent of the little man, it's got a huge... Orson Welles has a huge, huge problem on his hands, and apparently this dog is obsessed with like going back to that spot and smelling out the dead guy. Yeah, and Brett, it, doesn't the dog kind of even drive a wedge between the husband and wife, Orson Welles, and uh, Mary... Um, you know, maybe she starts off naive, but she's kind of get clued in more and more here as the movie goes, starting with Red, maybe? Is she, though? She's pretty naive throughout the whole thing. Tell me about it. Okay, I have so many things to say real quick. Um, First of all, I looked up what the paper chase game is, and I'm wondering if there is a connection, because it's also called Hare and Hounds, and it has to do with, mm. it has to do with tracking a scent, and I wonder if that's like some imagery, like some... Uh, Symbolism, my themes. I'm sure it is. Later in the movie, at a dinner party, somebody in the background specifically says, "I wonder what Emerson says about crime." <laughs> like that's the shit this movie is doing for sure, Brett. I believe you. <laughs> you remember what Emerson says about crime? Yeah, I, he he acts like he's a big fan of the dog, and then like literally their second day back from their honeymoon, he's like, he's like Jedi mind trick. He's like, the dog will stay in the sen- in the cellar, and the dog will be on a leash. <laughs> but yeah, then he just straight kills Red. I mean, that's pretty bad. She, I mean, I don't know. Every time she gets a clue, I mean, he's a world-class liar, again. Uh, so... He's got a story every time. And even like at one point, uh, Robinson, he won't be able to talk his way out of this one. And then like they like literally he talks his way out of it. And then and then the next time he's like, oh, see, she's realizing right now that everything he said was a lie. But like and then they go to show him. He's like he's talking his way out of it again. And she's very willing to believe him. Wouldn't you be, though, Brett? If yeah, I guess if I mean, someone you loved. And, uh, like you had amazing courtship, had an amazing wedding, and you had your entire life ahead of you. I mean, but Brett, what if Brittany had said, "We're locking what's your dog's name? Dozer. Um, we're locking Dozer in the basement." Uh, Sorry, it's just the way it's going to be. Yeah. Uh, no, that's not. That wouldn't happen. 
My sister-in-law kind of did that to my brother-in-law. Anyway, like in real life. <laughs> Whoa. But Stevie, I think the person who's who's like affected most by Red's death is a side character we haven't talked about. Noah Longstreet, played by... Noah Longstreet, my boy. Played by Richard Long. I have a feeling you probably kind of like this dude. I do too. Give us the lowdown on this guy. Richard, yeah, is he... Um, never mind. Um, <laughs> Richard, uh, not Richard, um, Noah here. Noah Longstreet does not like his brother-in-law. Yeah. And our man, Detective Wilson, picks up on it right away. Like, he's like... Oh, brother, this guy stinks! <laughs> I just love how that, on that fishing trip, you don't like him, do you? Well, he's fine enough. No, you don't. You hate him. You want to kill him. Like, <laughs> see? Yeah, see? Yeah, he's the worst. <laughs> he spends most of his time on the clock, you know. Why don't you like him, Noah? What do you mean? Well, you don't like your brother-in-law. It's none of my business, but uh, I wish you'd tell me why. Well, I, I like him well enough. I, I don't know any reason why I shouldn't. Don't tell me I'm butting in because I know I am, but I can't help myself. It's my business. Your sister may be in great trouble. I know that you're man enough for what I'm going to ask you to do for her. The truth is I'm not really an antique dealer. I'm a, sort of a detective. Is this saying something like an all-American boy like Richard Long just like can sniff out a Nazi from like a mile away, like with no pretense? Well, I just think that, not just that, but I think having an objective view with someone who's close to the situation, like, like closely related to it, like that's his sister marrying this Nazi. Wilson was smart to go after one of the brothers and just kind of try to implant that. You don't like this guy, do you? And here's why. And I like how Noah becomes almost like assistant detective in the movie. I think that's a great character. I think it's an awesome character, too. And he's just kind of, like, relatable in a strange way for an 80-year-old movie. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of a... Um, he's not really... I mean, a paragon can be someone that's not exactly a, a lead character, but he's kind of like a paragon in his own right, which is just wanting to do good, even if it's putting himself in danger. And he, he kind of reminds me of that Captain America, like, mold which I imagine was the intention of the writers of the story or this movie, which is we need to paint Noah as like the true heart of hearts of this movie. Indeed. I thought he was going to die for sure. He's true north. He's, uh, he's neutral. Good. It's good. Real good. He's, he's relatable good guy. <laughs> only only the little man is shitty enough to actually die in this movie. <laughs> but I like thank you for helping me get through like all the dog stuff. I do think he's kind of key to this middle act, but I will definitely not skip over Pappy. This dinner party, I think it's kind of famous in cinema and Orson Welles has a bit of a diatribe here. <laughs> Mankind is waiting for the Messiah, but for the German, the Messiah is not the Prince of Peace. And he's another Barbarossa, another Hitler. Like, set the scene up for us. Like, what is he even, like, getting at here with all this? 
Ladies, if your guy mentions genocide <laughs> as a way to solve uh, geopolitical conflicts, that might be a big red flag. You know, um, six to midnight talking about that, too, under the table, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I guess we should say, so Orson Welles is posing as a historian. And so, like, the as topics will come up, they're talking about, you know, sort of what's going to happen after the war, what's the right way to... Um, reconstruct Germany are the the sanctions and the, and the places that the or the policies that the Allies put in place enough, and I think he gives the example of Carthage, right? And how they just murdered everybody in Carthage, and that's sort of subjugation, the, yeah. The, the only way to deal with the threat fr- from the Germans. I mean, and he's like, hey, over someone's like, yeah, how's Carthage doing? Yeah. And he's like, Carthage ain't around <laughs> no mo. <laughs> I mean, like overcompensation 101, but he tips his hand a little oh, yeah. too much when he when he won't acknowledge Marx as a German um, because he's a Jew, and that's sort of the the final clue where our our boy our boy the main detective Edward G. Robinson knows at that such point. a raging clue that was not just that, but also <laughs> Orson Welles has like these crazy faces. When he's looking at Noah or Mr. Mr. Wilson, he's like, you don't believe in these crazy QAnon meetings? I assure you, they're real. <laughs> what I do like about that dinner scene, Pap, and maybe you can contradict me here, though, is that there is a bit of a cat and mouse game because it's like Robinson kind of figures out, oh, I think he might be the Nazi because of this batshit crazy speech he's doing. <laughs> But then right after that is when Orson Welles kind of finds out about Robinson having been injured. And he kind of puts together that he was the guy that the shitty little man tried to kill. So now he mm-hmm. kind of has like a little one up on him or something. Um, were you not feeling that at all? Not feeling that he. Oh, no, it's awesome. And they're sitting right across each other, right, right across from each other, right at the dinner table, sort of looking at each other while these veiled signals and, and like cloaked dialogue is, is flowing back and forth. And it's great because we, the audience, I, I think it's where it works where we, the audience do know everything and we do know the weight behind everything we're saying. Um, and I think that's like the scene immediately after where Orson Welles is so pissed. He goes out and like kicks the dog <laughs> basically to decompress <laughs> from that. So yeah, I mean, it's a, I, I hadn't heard of the stranger honestly before you, you picked it, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's like one of the most iconic scenes. Stranger. Anybody else got any tidbits they liked about this dinner scene or anything about it? You know, I think you touched on it. I mean, yeah, the Marx thing was cool. And then, yeah, no, I, you touched on it all. Is Karl Marx in the Jews Who Rock book, Brett? No. <laughs> he doesn't, he's not in any book of anything. Never mind. That's on your shelf. I get it. Yeah, <laughs> <Brent Reeves>. okay. <laughs> no, where he's considered anybody who rocks at anything. Oh, Josh, I did like how Orson Welles though did bring up his character uh, Franz Kindler did bring up um, for whom the bell tolls. Uh, if I remember correctly, I think that came out in the mid '30s from Hemingway, but also kind of the original works so of for whom the bell tolls about how 40. we as mankind. Uh, was it 1940, Brett? Yeah. 1940. Okay, so it was pretty, pretty recent then, uh, from when this movie came out, and also the original work of like we as mankind move as one. So like, when one of the bells tolls, you know, we're all gonna feel it. It's pretty much what the original work says. I do like how kind of the absurdity of a Nazi <laughs> saying that in a scene. I thought that was pretty cool. Historian, 
A psychiatrist could explain it better. The German sees himself as the innocent victim of world envy and hatred conspired against, set upon by inferior peoples, inferior nations. He cannot admit to error, much less to wrongdoing, not the German. We chose to ignore Ethiopia and Spain, but we learned from our casualty list the price of looking the other way. Men of truth everywhere have come to know for whom the bell tolled, but not the German. He still follows his warrior gods. So they tell me. Josh, I gotta ask you, because, I mean, you tossed the Orson Welles question to me. It's kind of sad because towards the end of his life, he was really a punching bag. And I, and I mentioned the wine commercial, which is really famous. But if you watch Match Game from the 70s, if the answer is something that's extremely large or like fat or like overweight, all of the panelists will like joke and say Orson Welles. Oh my gosh. It's like the butt of the joke. But he's also at the same time, you know, he made Citizen Kane when he was like 22, 23 or something like that. I, what, are, what are your opinions on Orson Welles? I guess particularly in this, this movie. I, I think he's fantastic in this movie, particularly in this dinner scene. Um, I think he holds his own opposite of Edward Robinson, which I think is hard to do here. And then like, he directs it so it's kind of mind-blowing to know that behind the scenes he's really in charge of everything and like i was saying like i guess watching it in 2021 like you don't picture orson welles as being like a good-looking protagonist sorry he's definitely not a protagonist but (laughs) like a good-looking lead in a movie is not like the number one thing that i think of when i think of orson welles his diction is so precise though Right, like the way he speaks. Like I said, it's like unlike any other actor. Like all, like all, I, I really do believe this. Like all of the most iconic leading leading men, you can hear their voice in your head. Like Mikey, is it too old timey for you when you hear Orson Welles talk? Uh, I got to be honest. I had to watch this twice because the first time it was really hard to just understand what what was being said. I, I, I have a real problem with how people talk back then. It's just so fast, and I guess the way it sounds to me is just so hard to follow. But mm-hmm. I like how he sounds. I mean, he I find the way that people talk back then uh, inter- an interesting way to, to talk or whatever, but it's just difficult for me to listen to it. But I like his voice. I, like, I liked his performance, and I like... I got to say his face again. He's just really expressive with his face. It's one of those things where if you went into an audition sounding like Orson Welles, you get laughed out of the room in 2021, <laughs> right? Yeah. He, he pulls it I off. I mean, yeah, nobody talks like that anymore. It would be, it would definitely be strange if someone's, someone walked into a room in 2021 and started talking like that. You definitely take a step back and be like, okay, pal, stop being a try hard or something. Try hard. <laughs> I mean, I think you're onto something, Pap. I mean, if you look at like the last 10, 15 years of his career, at least half of them are he's a narrator of something. Probably very easy work. Kind of his voice has like addiction, like you said, like gravitas, like a uh, James Earl Jones. Um, so Yeah, that's why he was Unicron, bro. Exactly. Transformers <laughs> I mean, he, didn't he like, wasn't he dead by the time that came out? Yeah. Or just about at least? Yeah, he died after it was, or before it was released, I believe. I always wondered, though, with like his kind of voice and all the old-timey actors of like film from this era, if they actually talked like that or if they were just putting it on for TV and movies. That's, yeah, that's what I have always wondered as well. 
pretty sure Humphrey Bogart talked like that. Orson Welles, I think, talked like that. If you listen to the outtakes from that wine commercial, it sounds exactly like that, but with a significant slur <laughs> with it as well. He doesn't say anything. So they're just a little bit more drunk when they're not He's on camera. From, originally from Kenosha, Wisconsin. Is that like... It's addiction capital of the world, man. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't hear the Wisconsin in there at all. But last thing, Josh, I'll say about that dinner scene. One of the... I think it's Noah... So something that the paper he read, the author was full of prunes or something like that. <laughs> I wrote that down too. That's that's a great old timey old timey line. You're full of prunes, Kappa. I feel like that's something that like they could have said at the dinner table in Young Guns. <laughs> You're full of prunes, Billy. <laughs> yeah, Billy, what you kill him for? <laughs> Kyla, I want to th- I want to toss it to you because you know Orson Welles kills a little man. Red starts to discover little dead man. Orson Welles kills Red. Shit starts to kind of hit the fan. People start to think that Mary's in danger, which obviously she very much is. And they have this like little intervention with Mary. Do you want to kind of explain how Robinson tries to, you know, he doesn't have direct evidence to pin anything on Orson Welles at this moment, I guess. So what is what is his strategy go, going forward here? Right, yeah. It's like when you learn to drive. I don't know if they still do this, but you have to watch that movie where a bunch of people get fucking mangled from oh, car geez. accidents. <laughs> what was that shit called? Jaws of Death. He, <laughs> tables. Was that what it, what it was? So Wilson, uh, he goes to Mary's family, and he fills them in on what's going on. And then they bring in Mary, like they have a little intervention, kind of like you said. And he just lays out the history. He says, you know, who this uh, little man was and what his connection to uh, Orson Welles' character is. But basically the way this movie frames Orson Welles' character, whose real name in the movie is Franz Kindler, is like, he's like the super Nazi. He's like the fucking... yeah. He's the mastermind behind all the atrocities committed by Nazi Germany. They boil down to this one man, essentially. <laughs> uh, less so than Hitler, even, I think, is, the, is, is what's implied. So they tell her this, and, you know, they kind of, like, outline their series of events that we have seen in the movie. But, like I mentioned, they also show her... He, has, he breaks out his little, like, fucking reel-to-reel and puts on the projector of a... Hey, Mary, have you ever seen a concentration camp? Yeah. Let me show you. (laughs) Let me show you some footage. (laughs) All this shit, your husband did it. Quick knowledge nugget. I'm pretty sure all this footage is real and directed by John Houston, who was serving in the U.S. military at the time. And he was actually supposed to do this movie, The Stranger, in 1946 originally, but couldn't because he was like still enlisted doing that stuff. It's very strange having learned about that. I believe it's the first time actual World War II footage ever really? was on a movie. Or at least at least concentration camp. I read that. Dang. It was pretty important, right? I mean, I know this is a, a silly fun time podcast, but like to... To show that in a work of fiction, which does have moments of levity too, I mean that's pretty, that's pretty bold and pretty important. I think, I think that's like pretty amazing that they found a way to show those atrocities in this movie, right, Josh? Yeah, and Brett, Corey hit on it. Like 
this Franz Kindler, he was a big deal. Can you explain a little bit like what his role was or what they laid it out to be? Uh, well, they pretty much, they don't go into it that much, but he was kind of like the architect of the concentration camps. Like he streamlined the process and he was kind of like, to use a German word, like a Wunderkind, uh, I guess. So he was just like an up and comer. Um, a lot of the old guard were the well-known ones, but he was like a guy who came up and was young. And I mean, if you look at like the little man, that guy is a lot older than Orson Welles, but he was, you know, his boss. And that's just kind of what I picked up from him. Like, and even when I know it cracks you up when I say it, but like the, the little guy or the little man, he's asking about what are we going to do? And basically Orson Welles is like, we're going to regroup and we're going to, you know, we're going to start another war. So like they had kind of just, I think they just thought, well, we're not really going to lose. We're just taking a break and biding our time. But, I mean, little did they know that Germany was going to take a long time to recover after that. But He was the head of Hydra. Yes. You can cling to a I do think, Pappy, that's substantial, though, that this was potentially, like, the first movie to, like, go there with real footage. I mean, we're probably missing a lot of that 80 years later when we've, I mean, you have access to any of that that you'd want on YouTube or something. Yeah, and it's, I, I don't know... I don't know, like, to what extent, because if you the way movie theaters used to be, right? You, it, it was just like constantly running on a loop. So there'd be a newsreel, there'd be a cartoon. The trailers came after yep. the feature film, which is why they're called trailers, right? So I, I don't know to what extent, you know, Holocaust footage would be would have been shown in those like newsreel sections of the movie theater. But this could have been the first time a lot of people, you know, saw real dead bodies in a concentration camp and just like the decision to put that in there i think is like super commendable and you know you have to think this is like 2010 in the united states if like after 9 11 right in terms of sort of like the fallout and the way americans would be feeling at the time it's i don't, I don't know i think i think it's like really special that they did that i can't even freaking imagine a movie someone making a movie about 9 11 in 2002 Right, yeah, yeah. exactly. You know I mean? well, it was 2004, yeah. but I think. Yeah, 2004 that did, but yeah. You talking about the Oliver Stone movie? Yep. Extremely loud and incredibly close. Is that no. what it's? I think it was called um, World Trade Center with Nick Cage. Oof. Future spoilers pick. Hopefully not. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you put that out there? Uh, the movie like stalls out a little bit for me here, Stevie. There's like a dinner party. And it's still like fun to watch, but as far as plot wise, you're just kind of stuck in this zone of Detective Robinson knows that it's Orson Welles, but can't pin it on him yet. And they're basically like waiting for Orson Welles to try to murder Mary. <laughs> so when that finally does come to a head here, Stevie, can you explain to us this, you know, final caper Orson Welles how he tries to get rid of Mary and maybe the last bit of evidence connecting him. What, sawing ladders with glue? <laughs> yeah. His prank. Yeah, his, his last, his prank. last uh, collector prank. Um, no, actually kind of, I really actually like the second dinner party, Josh, because it actually, I mean, I know it sounds weird, but Mary was actually giving a, given a lot of work to do in this movie. Like, character-wise. 
I mean, she, at a certain point, she did realize her husband was a Nazi, and she still chose to do, you know, what she did. She still wanted to be with this person. But as far as that last prank goes, um, <laughs> yeah, Orson Welles is just um, hacksawing away at a 50-foot ladder, because that's normal. And <clears throat> one thing I do like, though, is how Noah and uh, our boy Wilson go up there first and how those two didn't die is beyond oh, no. me like I know Wilson's strong but he's real strong and Kathy, I like how does this rival the, the shots in the ring of the ladder that you love so much not as good <laughs> <close>. not as <laughs> good sorry back to Stevie though I was just gonna say I like Wilson's such a good detective I like how he just goes haha you see you can still see the glue and it's like, you know, if that happened, the last thing I would be looking for is, I wonder if this maniac, this Nazi narcissist, was like, you know, if I just saw it off and, you know, put glue there, no one will ever notice. But Wilson, he's such a detective. Yeah, and Mikey said he was a terrible detective. He's such a man to crack the case. He. Why is he climbing up there? What's he looking for? He's looking he's for Nazi things, Mikey. <laughs> What, is he going to keep his old Nazi stash up know. in the clock tower? Listen, Orson Welles is known to just draw swastikas randomly yeah. while he's on the phone. You <laughs> he never know. The phone. He can't help it. Like, he just he does it, like, instinctively. <laughs> That's how much of a diehard Nazi he is. He sees a pen and paper and feels instinctively needing to draw the swastika. Like, we all drew those S's in elementary school. You know what I mean? Those <laughs> yeah. fancy S's. He's just drawing swastikas on stuff. Um, well, first of all, Steve, just to put a little in, a little perspective... The World Trade Center and United 93 both came out in 2006, so it's a little better, I would say. Okay. It's not. Um, no, but... It's not. Like, actually, <laughs> and it's another movie Pappy knows, like, uh, the best years of our lives are the greatest mm-hmm. years of our lives. I mean, that is about the most depressing movie I ever came out in 1946. It was about PTSD, right, of literal people get, just getting out of the war. Um, Josh, I thought it was kind of funny, like, the biggest best example of gaslighting ever um uh orson wells is like well if he dies it'll be your fault because she was the one that was supposed to die i mean like talk about putting the i mean like not taking any responsibility but he's a psycho so it doesn't really matter but well, did you come here directly from the church am i being cross-examined well no but when i found i couldn't leave sarah i called no and told him to go there and tell you i was detained i told you not to call anybody oh, but surely no call him and tell him not to go well i can't i talked to him over call him i say he's gone if he dies his blood will be on your hands what are you saying it's your meddling that's done this i would have been all right if it wasn't for you after that you you had to be here on that day calling noah did you kill noah I do wish that the clock tower came into effect a little bit more just in terms of building tension within the town. I mean, there's this great line. I know I make fun of my themes all the time, but when they say Harper was a quiet place until that bell started ringing and, you know, that that represents like everything that Orson Welles has brought to the town. I mean, this is a small Connecticut town and there's this giant clock tower banging 15 minutes throughout all hours of the night and it doesn't really come into play too much other than background chatter at that party and then and suspension obviously yeah. At the end yeah yeah and then there's this little like tag on the end of the movie where they have 
uh, somebody might have to straighten it out for me. I've seen the movie twice, but I can't quite, quite figure it out. They have Orson Welles dead to rights, but like Mary sneaks out of the house and goes up the ladder, and like Orson Welles is up there, and he almost drops her in like a Macaulay Culkin good son moment, like with Elijah Wood. <laughs> Great mm-hmm. reference. Hey, Mary, don't fuck with me. You go. You think you could fly? Hey, Mark. Don't fuck with me. But he brings her up. But then Detective Edward Edward Robinson is also up there. Um, I do like this movie, and I'm going to give it a yes in a little bit. But I don't quite understand how everyone. Like ended up in these spots at the end. <laughs> Give me that gun. I don't get how the sword went through his body, unless it was like a Ginsu knife. That old stone metal sword's not going to run through a body. I mean, yeah, dude, this is what I'm talking about. Robinson didn't even kill him. The clock, the clock solved this case. Those angels were moving fast, bro. It was. I should have never put a real sword. Robinson. Missed every shot. Right, Kylo. I mean, Corey, if it was a real sword, yeah, but like that thing would have to be moving like 80 miles per hour. I mean, people think like the skin is just like skin and sinew and bone are like hot butter. But I mean, you have a nasty bruise and it might stab you a little bit, but it's not going to run through your body that easily. But whatever. What if you like plant your feet and you just don't move? I still don't. I still don't think so. What were those angels made out of? Stone or metal? Adamantium? I mean, gotta remember, there was a. You don't think that would cut through? Sculptures, statues, stuff like that used to have a lot of craftsmanship to them. And I think those things were pretty weighty. And, you know. Brittany agrees with you. She just said, you don't know. Yeah, right. You don't know. A lot of statues and sculptures today are made (laughs) out of real cheap materials. I think back then. It's not Bronx from Gargoyles, Stevie. It's, it's It's just a piece of stone. I don't know. Okay, it's a Brad. Nazi genius that spent his life. Yeah, it's last. it's the saying is, I mean, it's his mania that killed him. Yeah, and I think one hundred percent that thing could have stabbed him easily because his mania made his skin easier to stab. No, because <laughs> he's a human being, and when things travel that are sharp, that aren't made out of things that are really soft, they tend to hurt. Even if you, I don't want to. Even if you ran talking here. So um, your skin is that sh- soft. I mean, let's just not argue about this, but I mean, come on. It's not. This a- is Orson Welles. His body is 50% liquid. <laughs> hey, now. <laughs> Speaking of the mania, though, th- there's a scene when um, they're talking about how everything's closed in on Orson Welles and Edward G. Robinson's confronting him. And Orson Welles, like, like results to saying, I was just following orders, basically. And he. The look that he has on his face, and it's just covered, drenched in sweat. Like you, you get the like you start to understand why he was considered one of the greatest actors in the world at this time. That's an amazing, amazing performance with him there. Oh yeah, he looks amazing. Like uh, uh, the more manic this man gets, the better he is on screen <laughs> for this movie. I haven't seen a lot of Orson Welles stuff, so I can't really judge him. He was great in Transformers, uh, but in this movie, he's he's fucking on it, and like. 
it increases and increases, it intensifies, it intensifies. And uh, yeah, he's just like dripping sweat. You know, his hair kind of gets like crazier. He's got those wild eyes. He's like shaking at times. Uh, it's pretty cool. And there's a moment with him and Mary, like before they're in the clock tower, that's pretty good. When she like, it finally is fully aware of what's going on. It's not, she was always aware, but she believes that this man is the evil Uber Nazi they've been looking for. And she's like, all right, then just go ahead and kill me, but don't touch me. She like tosses him like a fire poker. She's like, beat me to death with this. <laughs> oh my God. And uh, that was an intense moment, probably for an old movie like this, especially. Kill me. Kill me, I want you to. I couldn't face life knowing what I've been to you and what I've done to Noah. But when you kill me, don't put your hands on me. Here. Use this. Kylo, did you just like it when he like got all manic and crazy, or did you feel like he had a more did you feel like it was a rounded performance and you bought his earlier moments as well? No, I definitely did uh, get into his earlier stuff too. It was just more entertaining to see the latter. But yeah, I mean, he can be a, you know, uh, a smooth player as well. I mean, there is a, a, a little bit of disappointment because there was something I kind of made up in my mind that I thought was going to happen at the end. And I thought he was going to have like, he was going to stop throwing his voice and he was going to come out and be like, at the very end in the clock tower and just dropped like German crazy fucking accent. Like, <laughs> so we've come to the end of the line. Toy line. <laughs> we are nihilists. <laughs> you believe in nothing. A little chase has concluded. <laughs> well, we're going to get to this very, very last little section here. Um, Stevie, I'm going to toss it to you with Edward Robinson sitting in a victory pose on top of the ladder. But I want to give a quick shout out to Sister Sarah, our like made motherly character who goes all out to save Mary. She's like, oh, yeah, Mary, where are you going? And Mary's like, it's none of your business. And then Mary like first says, like she tries to act stern like a parent. Like, well, why wouldn't it be my business? And then when that's blown off, she plays guilty like, you used to treat me better at the old house. <laughs> and then when that doesn't work, like it gets awkward. Like this would be such an awkward situation in real life. Nothing works to stop Mary from leaving. Fake a heart attack, bro. Yeah, she's about to go climb up this ladder. I mean, Mary, Sarah doesn't know. She has a good hunch. But, like, she fakes she a heart She knows attack. something's awry. I mean, <laughs> her motherly yeah, My instincts, husband told me to go there and not tell anyone. <laughs> not tell a soul except my brother who might die unbeknownst to me but will be my fault. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> made Sarah the performance of her life. Oh, it's me! Ah, 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 ah. What's the matter? Sarah, what's the matter? My heart, what's the matter? I, I can't breathe. Pain! Oh, no, Miss Mary, please don't leave me. No, oh, don't leave me. Lie right there, keep quiet. Keep quiet, Miss Mary. Maybe I'm dying. You're Miss not Mary. dying. Miss Stay with me. I won't leave you. One trio, please. She's throwing heart attack in there, brain aneurysm. Anything to just keep Mary, is that her name? 
Yeah. 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 Anything to keep Mary Longstreet in the door, she will do. I totally forgot about that part, Josh. I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> well, Stevie, I want to throw it to you for this very last scene because I just get the feeling you enjoyed this movie a lot like I did. Oh, 100%. But, um, you know, our Nazi is, he's not only busted, but he's been stabbed and felled from this tall clock tower. He's been Saramond basically all the way down. <laughs> and he gives this like little cheeky line. The villagers are all like, hey, come down and celebrate and drink a bunch of beers with us. And he's like, actually, I'm not going <laughs> to crawl down this broken ladder. I'm taking it easy from here on out and waiting for a new ladder. And he says, we end the movie on him saying, good night, Mary. Pleasant dreams. Do you like this scene as much as you liked the first scene in the movie? And if the dawn is fresh, we'll let me give you a hand. Oh, no, 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 no thanks. Hi, what happened? V-Day and Harper. Don't get that. Come on down. Oh, not until you get me a new ladder. I've had my ankle busted and my head cocked. From here on in, my friends, I'm taking it easy. Well, I'll get you another ladder, Mr. Wilson. You've had enough trouble. Good night, Mary. Pleasant dreams. Um, I prefer the first scene compared to the ending. Uh, I do like for a movie in, you know, 1946 that, you know, they have a scene where someone's falling, you know, 60, 70 feet to their death from a clock tower. I always think that's really cool uh, because I'm curious as to how they shot that. You know, I don't know if they have a bunch of mattresses down there. Uh, you know, if it was a dummy, I'm not sure. But is that actually the closing line, Josh, Sweet Dreams of Mary? Is that the official closing? Good night, closing? Good good night, night Mary. Pleasant, pleasant dreams. dreams. Good night, Mary. Yeah. Pleasant dreams. That's that's a pretty dick thing to I say. I just tossed your man off the clock tower, Mary. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy being a widow, Mary. I'm gonna sit up here. <laughs> Dude, it's insane. It's no. This is a dumb ending. It's it's in and out in like 15 seconds yeah. after he falls off the roof, and you. I, I, I was like almost laughing. I was like so taken aback. So I know it's not. Pre- correct pronunciation but it's called denouement what's the denouement that you would want to see mikey because this ends i mean there is no denouement it's just sorry mary your nazi husband's dead bye like what's the denouement that you would want to see denouement yeah i know i'm not gonna say that though i don't maybe like expose his like everybody is just inside this clock tower there's a dead man out on the street and they're cheering for robinson (laughs) up at the top we have no context they have no context for what just happened they don't know (laughs) nobody has explained anything and it's just like see you later mary would you want to see Mary like in a happy home or should she be like, it should be a sad version. Just have her. Like, I don't give a fuck about Mary. She's a Nazi hey. sympathizer. She sucks. Yeah. <laughs> she she uh, has made the wrong choices this entire movie. Uh, I need the town to know that this guy was a Nazi. It would be nice if that was explained to the rest of the town. Yeah, but that would be nice. You got the, you got the pharmacy guy in there cheering on Robinson and Robinson just like Looney Tunes. Goodbye. I like him saying I've had enough trouble lately and I'm taking it easy from here on out and I'm not going to like climb down this rickety ladder. I think that's a good ending. I don't like the trite good night Mary stuff. That sounds pleasant dreams. That sounds like vindictive. That's a threat. That's a really mean thing to say. (laughs) But I think 
Pappy, what Mikey is bringing up here mm. is a far more interesting point. Like, where do you land on Mary? Um, you know, whenever I watch these old movies, I go in expecting the absolute worst, right? In terms of like the way that women are going to be portrayed or minorities are going to be portrayed. I just kind of like expect that going in. And I, and I like to be pleasantly surprised. I mean, she's kind of a a girl boss, right? I mean, yes. she does, she does, as you would expect a wife in the 40s, a, a predominant, you know, socialite wife to do where she stands by her husband throughout the majority of the film. But she's, I mean, she risks her life to catch this Nazi at the end. I, I thought that was a great touch. I, I really liked it. So, Pap, you're happy they didn't put her in the fridge? I, I'm glad that she lived throughout the whole movie. Um, does, I don't. She has the gun at one point, doesn't she, too? Mm-hmm. Or, or something yeah, like that? Yeah, she's a so, terrible I mean, like, shot. That's fine. <laughs> but, but just the fact that you have a woman taking a gun and trying to shoot her husband, you know what I mean? Like, in a movie this old, I, that's fantastic to me. Like, I would expect her to be cowering in a corner just from a, a 40s movie perspective and the fact that she proactively is shooting at him I think that's awesome I, I gotta really know from that. Brett though did that scene bother you where she's shooting at him where she like empties the clip and she <laughs> well first of I all I counted funny. like seven shots but um, second of all I was like use two hands and give it give it to a, someone who can actually shoot but I don't know it's whatever it was fine it was fine alright I mean, take your time. You got Orson Welles cornered in the fucking clock tower. Just line up your aim yeah. down sights or whatever. Here's my last question before we get to final thoughts. Anyone chime in? Is Mary a redeemable character? Or should her ass be going to prison? I don't think she did anything wrong. Yeah, what did she, what did I she mean, do? She, the only thing she did wrong was she believed. She, I mean, she believed him. She just followed orders. No, stop. Josh, no. stop. Josh wants to throw her in the fucking Hague for like war crimes. What the hell? What the fuck? All right. So Josh here, I'll defend her. So they're married, right? She loves this man. She doesn't know about his past. People tell her about his past and she's skeptical, right? As, as you would be. You'd be like, what are you talking about? It, I don't know. You need to present some hard evidence. And they're like, you know, they kind of tell some stories, but they're never like, here's a picture of him shooting a man or anything like that. <laughs> there is no such evidence, of course, but... You know, they give her a compelling argument about this guy's history. She's kind of on the fence, but uh, vocally she says, "Ah, that's not quite enough for me to believe it, which I think is understandable. Thank you, Corey. Why, Josh, you want to fucking... It's called giving a character agency. It's awesome. Tell me about it, Stevie. Why is it so awesome? Because... Mary ended up actually becoming a bigger character than I thought she'd be. And the fact that she was giving choices, not just to actually serve the plot, I thought was perfect. She was a character in her own reality that was able to make choices. Not just to, you know, I guess say, get Franz in trouble here. She was actually a character, which was really nice to see in a 1946 movie. It's not very common nowadays. Yeah, but it's it's also not... It's not like it's the first time that happened. Again, I'll, I'll reference another movie. But it's sure. not common nowadays, though, Brad. I said it's happy. I was glad to see it. It's not common nowadays? Okay. No. Okay. It was less common 75 years ago, Brad. I mean, that's for sure. Yeah. Yes, it was less common. But, I mean, like Mrs. Miniver, she's a freaking baller. She kills a Nazi. I'm a But saying. there's a reason. 
But there's a reason those films have rise from the cream of the crop, right? You know what I mean? Like when that was a bold thing to do to have a woman as such a badass back then. Yeah. You know, I'm just saying it's not like it, they didn't reinvent the wheel. I mean, it, it's just, it was cool. It was, it was rare, but it's not like it was. Uh, Brett's just so mad that she couldn't shoot a gun properly. No. <laughs> Josh, what do you think? Toss her in prison? Throw away the key? <laughs> I, I think she had one real bad moment and that's where she like lies flat out about having ever met the little man and I think that story of she does lie several times but that murdering of his lover who suicided and the brother was blackmailing like that's uh but again, let's be let's be generous to the uh, the context of a film that's almost eighty years old, right? Like, it was. I, I would assume that audiences back then would look at her as heroic by standing by her husband, right? I mean, that would be people in the '40s view of what her role should be, and the fact that she goes above and beyond that, I think, is commendable. Yeah. Even though Josh wants to put her in the electric chair. For some reason, <laughs> no. Like I hate the little man as much as the next guy. Like he can fucking go. I don't care. You guys ready for final thoughts? Yeah. Choke him out with your bare hands. But like, here's a real life situation in my real life. Brittany, I'm sorry. I had to kill your dog, but I did it. Get out. That's what happens. That would happen in real life to me. If I killed Brittany's dog, we would not be together. Killing an animal is just kind of a. It's a faux pas. Red flag. That's you should say that's Brittany said that's a divorceable thing. I mean, it's a faux pas. How about move the body if you're that worried about it? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how that doctor Jeff determined there was so much poison in the dog so quickly. That yeah, was it's poison. Did he have a vial of blood test? Extract. I think we're in the, the area of final thoughts. Final thoughts. There's like a very cinematic. Uh, s- moment that occurs when the do- doctor is checking the dog, though, right? Did you guys notice that? They're like in the second story of a building mm-hmm. by the glass. Mm, yeah. The audio isn't great because y- you can tell, like, the. It's through the glass, though. Oh, uh, doctor, how long could the dog have lived with that amount of poison in it? Oh, not more than a minute or so, I'd say. The mics are in, in front of the glass, yeah. you know, but that's fine. Um, and then they walk downstairs and it's like a it's like a nice long one shot. It shows them leave the building and then it follows them across the street and it follows them a little bit into the park. And then the camera like elevates as they walk away. I, I definitely noticed that. I was like, that's really cool for like an old timey like movie like this to have something that cinematic. I didn't expect something that cool looking. I saw a really cool shot when Edward Robinson was playing checkers with the general store manager, mm. who is an awesome character, by the way. The window. But there's gosh. like a. What's that? The Mr. Beer? Is that Potter. What talking about? Mr. Potter. Okay, yeah. good. He's talking to him for a while. He's like really distracted. Um, Edward Robinson is. All of a sudden, you kind of realize it's been a long shot, and then it like pans up to that suitcase that the little man had left there a long time ago. I just thought that was a really cool moment. Yeah. If we're in final thoughts, I got three super quick. So like Corey just mentioned, there's a character called Mr. Potter and a character called Mary, uh, (laughs) two famous characters from it's a wonderful life. So I couldn't stop thinking about that. Uh, second final thought, Josh, you've been asking a lot of questions tonight. Let me ask you, who's the Christ like character of the stranger. Oh my gosh. 
wow, we haven't done this for a long time. I think you'd naturally want to say Edward Robinson, but when he's just gloating and says pleasant dreams, Mary, <laughs> at the end. So I have it I have to give it to cousin Noah Longstreet, Richard Long. I think he just did his best this whole movie. He's a cool guy. He didn't like Nazis from the out output. He risked his life for his sister. You know, he's he's a stand up guy, don't you think, Pat? Yeah, it's a fair answer. And my last final thought, the other reoccurring segment, Brett, who from this movie is no longer with us? Oh, um, all of them. <laughs> okay. Dang. For darker reasons than we thought. No, I don't I don't know. I mean Let's go one by one. What what did they die of? Edward T. Robinson was born in the eighteen hundreds. I mean he's no longer with us. Let's just get that out of the way. Uh, I mean, there's no way is anybody alive, right? Let's see. Noah Red the dog. Red dog in dog ears. Did? Um, I'm just a that dog didn't survive the filming of this movie. <laughs> yeah, it looked oh like it was God. dead in the Orson went full method with that one. Swiss Family Robinson stuff. I could not find the character. Um, I know everyone will know who I'm talking about besides Stevie, but you know the really creepy old brother in The Burbs, the really old guy, Ruben? He was actually mm-hmm. in this movie. Ah. He was uncredited for but, someone named Fairbright. But he's dead now, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. That's all I got, Josh. Who was the cafe owner? Was it Mr. Potter? Yeah. I think he's the Christ-like character. Oh, really? Scamming people? Yeah. No, he, a scammer? No, he Lazy knows everybody. Too. Go get it yourself. No, he knows everybody's shit, and bad things happen around him. He doesn't do anything. Oh, Whoa, bro. Oh, my God. <laughs> you just offended two billion people. Good. It's two-thirds of our listeners. Good. Two billion um, people. Hey, and I'm the most Catholic one in this pod, or I have the most sacraments for sure. What is that supposed to mean? Definitely. I'm the most holy one on this pod, Brett. How do you have more sacraments <laughs> than I do? Sacrament off! Let's go. <laughs> oh my God. We've both had five of the seven. We can't have any more. No, this is not part of Final Thoughts. I know I know for a fact Stevie has a holographic sacrament that's graded 10. That's 100% true. I've had it since the second grade. I got it at Target. I refuse to trade that. Mikey. Eucharist stamp. I have a final question for you. Would this be one of your favorite movies ever if the ending actually said one year later and they show the clock tower and the ladder has been moved and Edward G. Robinson's bones are just sitting up there. (laughs) Nobody ever brought him a ladder. He's like, oh, sweet dreams. All right, you're dead. It's like a skeleton holding a pipe like Pirates of the Caribbean. (laughs) Dead men tell no tales. It's a pretty big ladder, right? Like that was a a humongous ladder. So that's got to be specially made. So it could be weeks before they get out there. So who knows? Yep. Back then? That tower had to be built around the ladder. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. (laughs) (laughs) Like the ladder was built first. I think they got to build it inside the clock tower because there's no way you're getting it up. Like you can't walk it upstairs. It was massive. Oh, but no, the ladder in the ring is so much cooler. They built the ladder too big. They didn't need to. And they're like, well, I guess we'll just have to put a clock tower around. I mean, what else are we going to do? I think Edward G. Robinson has to live up there now. I think that's his life. I don't think he He's can get He's the hunchback. Down. 
Oh, yeah. Unless they give him a rope, he could just rope down. Orson Welles is like, what if I could make a ladder so big even I couldn't climb it? That's Orson Welles. <laughs> That's not Wells. a very big ladder for Orson Welles. <laughs> it's a fucking step stool. <laughs> You're part of the problem, Pappy. Let's get to these yes or no's and stop body shaming people. Pappy, you went first, even though you won't be first mm. during trivia. Like, trivia orders all messed up. But go ahead and go first for you. Whoa. One last shot at Pappy before we get out of here. <laughs> I took a screenshot of the real trivia order. I'll send, I'll send it now. But Perfect. Thanks. I'll go hard yes for this. Um, I don't know. It's something about watching old movies, one, like the camera movement and all of the, the practical effects. I mean, there's not a lot in this movie, but you do have this sense of like, how did they do that, right? Because it's, it's more of a practical, it's more easy to wrap your mind around, um, you know, how did they move the camera like that? Like what, this was a crane shot, they had to move a crane in here for this, like that's impressive. It's a blistering pace too. 90 minutes for a noir film. I talked about this on the debate that I did with Steve over on Big Dumb Movie, but this noir does not relish in any of its moments. I mean, maybe a couple of moments that we talked about in terms of like the chase or the dinner party, but it, it clips along really well. Um, interestingly enough, today on the Reddit slash r slash noir, someone posted a new link to The Stranger on YouTube, which has a full closed caption with it, which really helped me. Um, Hard yes. I really like this shit. Um, good pick, Josh. Uh, and I'm glad that we're moving the spoilers earliest movie back by like over a decade, I think, with this. Let's go all the way back. Let's do the Great Train Robbery someday. <laughs> but hard yes for me. Thanks, yeah. Pappy. I think this is a really fun movie, too. This is Josh from Goshen, your host tonight. I'll give this a pretty hard yes. I'm kind of in love with Edward Robinson at this point. Um, I'm going to keep digging into more movies that he's done. I know he's played a gangster and he's kind of like a prototype gangster that we still like think about if someone talks about like old style, like Chicago y gangster. But in two movies that I love him in, Double Indemnity and this one, he plays the detective, like kind of a good guy. And I I love to see him as that. Um and I think like I think I'm predicting Mikey giving this movie a no. And I think a lot, and that's fine. I figured there'd be some no's for this. This movie is just so old. But I think a lot of, if you like this movie, hinges on if you can buy this Edward Robinson character. And I am a fan, so I do buy it. I also hope to keep digging more into Orson Welles. And uh, yeah, I had a fun time watching this movie. Thanks for talking about it with me, all you guys. Let's keep going in the order that um, Pappy gave to me earlier, even though that's not the real trivia order. So that's Stevie, you're up with your yes or no. Uh, I will give this the hardest of yeses. I really enjoyed this movie. Even though the cat was out of the bag in the first 15 minutes, I did enjoy the tension uh, between <clears throat> our man detective Wilson and Orson Welles. I was also really appreciative of what they did with the character Mary. Um, I know Brad said it wasn't super common nowadays. I mean, it's not the most uncommon thing in the world, but there are some glaring examples of very famous movies that don't write female characters very well. Seven is one of them. Um, but uh, yeah, give us a hard, hard yes. Thanks for picking this, Josh. It was a very, very fun watch. Stevie has the upper hand now. 
<laughs> Thanks for hanging in there, Stevie. Yeah. Uh, in our messed up intro order again, Corey, you're up. Man, what the fuck? <laughs> when is the last shot of Pappy? No, in this podcast? it's not about Pappy. I just want people to know that, like, for trivia, it's not going to be the same order. But for now, <laughs> the last rip on this. Pappy before that was you ripping on yourself. That's true, but <laughs> I'm self-deprecating. That's part of my charm. Sorry. Go ahead, Corey. Very charming. All right. This is Corey, Kylo Ren memes. I'm going to give it a yes because I did enjoy this movie, Josh. And I wasn't sure if I would when you said that this was a movie from 1946. (laughs) It's uh, I think it's hard for modern movie going audiences or modern style film critics like myself to get into these older movies because I'm very much a millennial, uh, you know, the kind of movies that I like to review and that I listen to other people review are movies of my generation. So the farther back I go, the more detached I get from these things. Um, So going back this far, I was just not even sure if I would enjoy this at all. But all that being said, I did enjoy it. I think this movie is probably unique among its contemporaries in that this movie moves at a pace in which I did not expect. And I assume, I have to make a little bit of an assumption here, that other movies like it don't uh, follow. I don't think most movies of this time frame, of this style, of this genre, move at the pace that this one does. And I think it works to this movie's benefit in a lot of ways. Uh, maybe with some few exceptions here and there, like the abrupt ending. It's just like that's a very old school style way to end a movie. Like that's it. It's over now. Goodbye. Get the fuck out of the theater. <laughs> so anyway, all that being said, it was a it was a cool movie to watch. Some some good performances. And some good performances, despite being old timey performances, and uh, a decent enough story. So I give it a yes. Truly, all we need is like Porky Pig being like, "That's all, folks. Have a pleasant <laughs> dreams, Mary." Like it's kind of just fucked up. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> Mikey. Your last movie was Thief, which is an old movie, but we went back forty more years for this Stranger movie. What'd you think? Um, I'll give it a soft yes. Ooh. It's fine. Um, I don't like that you guys are just prejudging me on what I'm going to like. But, uh, it's fine. I think it does interesting stuff. Like with, like you guys said, uh, practical effects or I don't know, whatever cinematography wise. Um, it looks very nice. And I don't know, just these old movies. I just don't find them very engaging for my attention, I guess. It's just really difficult for me to like listen and follow along just because of the way people talk back then. It's just insane <laughs> to me. Um, it's fine. Uh, the I don't know. It's just I like Orson Welles a lot in this movie, and I had never really watched anything with him in it, but he was really, he's really incredible to watch. Uh, so... Hopefully somebody chooses something else with him in it. Maybe, maybe uh, I, I I don't even know. I I don't know any of his movies, so it'd be interesting to see what we'll some Transformers. Else. Citizen Kane is going to get us those views for yeah. sure. <laughs> Brett, good. last but not least, what do you think of this seventy-five-year-old okay. movie, man? I have a, just a, f- a few quick things that I forgot to say earlier. So the guy who played Mr. Potter was a. Uh, 
Apparently was used as a live action model for a lot of Disney characters. He was filmed dancing and his movements were studied to create the actions of Doc and Snow White. And he's Very also cool. He was also the model for hmm. the fat pirate on in Captain Hook's ship in Peter Pan. Smee? I don't know, but to me it looks exactly like Smee, but I don't know. It just says fat pirate. So. Yeah, I have to, it would have to be Smee. Second of all, <laughs> I thought it was really weird that Mary called her dad, the Supreme Court Justice, by his first name. And he called sister. her sister. Yeah, what that was, was up really with weird. That? I don't know if that's a time thing. Like you could hear that. Like that's like a like a soul type thing in the sixties and seventies. But like in the forties in East Coast, I, hey sister, soul sister. Yeah, or yeah. <laughs> like that. <laughs> no, I mean yeah, but I was thinking more like yo sister. I'm not gonna do that. Whoa, never mind, sister. Never mind. Better move on. <laughs> Way to pull back. Yeah. I'm so proud of and you. And also, there, Great I, job. I thought Mikey. Might say yes. I mean, I, if I I know one thing about Mikey, he loved that ninety five minute runtime. I mean, he loves short movies. Oh yeah, that was nice. So, uh, but yeah, I'm gonna give this a solid yes. I enjoyed this. I had never seen Edward G. Robinson or anything, and I thought he was by far my favorite part of this movie. Um, right. I thought you guys were. That was funny early on. You were talking about Orson Welles' looks, and I remember I made a comment to Brittany early on. I said, he's almost like a really good looking guy. He's just got really weird jowls. Uh, that's what I remember saying. Like, he's got a really weird jaw. <laughs> and yeah. kind of like Vince Vaughn. Kind of. Yeah. God. Josh, why do you like Robinson? Why do you like, what else have you seen him in? Double indemnity. Yeah. Love indubitably. And uh, I talked about this movie on the pod recently too. Soylent Green. But. Something about him, like he brings a very like classic presence, like stage presence to the films he's in. But I also think he has like a personal connection to like the. I don't know, man. Kind of, I'm just drawn to him. Hey, Josh, can I explain it? Yeah. Can please. I finish my yes or no real quick? Oh yeah. Oh, I thought you had finished. No, please. I kind, I kind of <laughs> did. I mean, um, <laughs> okay. I just was getting. I'm not mad. I just was getting a little off track. That's fine. Um. Yeah, this is fine. I mean, Mary was just kind of bland for me. I kind of almost wish they would have had somebody better, but um, I enjoyed this. And like Corey said, it was very, very fast. But yeah, I, I enjoy this movie. Um, I can do 40s movies. So good pick, Josh. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks, man. So that's six out of six yeses preserved. I'm going to say this is general store self-serve coffee. Yes, with a lot of cream. Let's go. Uh, if yeah. you watch the movie carefully, you'll get that joke. But Stevie, what were you going to say? Like Edward Robinson, why why do we love My him? man Wilson, this is the first movie I've ever seen him in, but I feel like I've seen him in every movie in my entire life. I can't explain it. It's like he wasn't anything new to me, <laughs> but he was? I, I can't explain. It's really weird. Like he just has that classic look like you said, but it's like he's in every movie pre-1970s. But this is the first movie I've ever seen him in. It's the strangest thing. <laughs> look at look at his IMDb picture. Like he should definitely have played Scar like Al Capone in like the thirties. I mean He plays a lot of bad guys, Brett. Yeah, I bet I, I bet. I mean he's kinda I don't want to say this to demean him, but he kind of reminds me like of uh, a poor man's James Cagney. So uh, Very demeaning. Oh, not Cagney. <laughs> <laughs> you dirty rat. I bet that's Splinter's favorite. <laughs> it was a joke. All right, I'm done. Woo! <laughs> you guys ready for some trivia to figure out who will choose? No, just Teenage Mutant Ninjas Hurdles quotes. <laughs> Leo, don't. Yes, go ahead. Sorry. I do have one note before <laughs> trivia. 
the last one, two, three, four trivia picks have been movies that start with the word the. <gasps> the Raid 2, The Ring, The Collection, and now The Stranger. So we'll see if that trend continues. Back to Come you, on, Josh. Start the fire, buddy. Let's do this. All right. Let's do this. I'm looking at Pappy's updated list. The actual order. The real life order. Brett, you mm-hmm. did the burbs, so you're going to be first. You have the least advantage. Stevie, you're up next with the collection. Corey, it still says you with Hedwig. I don't understand that situation, but we'll just go with that. Pappy, you got the ring. And Mikey, you're last with Thief, even though that seems very, very recent. So this is a weird trivia, but I'm so incredibly pumped for it. Mikey has some assists for me ready with the soundboard, but... Yeah, so, you want me to play one? Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, let me explain the rules. I have a bunch of quotes. Half of them are from Orson Welles. <laughs> oh, no. And the other half are from... And I can't explain why I went this route except a gut feeling. But the other half are Mike Skinner of The Streets. Oh gosh, <laughs> a rapper? Yeah, he, the it British rapper. To be so easy. Whoa, 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 whoa! Let's not whoa. give away any of the answers. So, I will read you a quote, and I may read the quote in my natural Josh Northern Indiana Martin Supermarket loving accent, or mm. I might read it in my best Orson impression, or. I might read it in my best Skinner impression with DJ Mikey setting up the score behind me. So does everyone feel like they got that? No Michael Caine? So just to be clear, it's quotes attributed to Orson Welles at any point in his life, like film quotes, things he just said from this movie. I don't want no Kane. These are quotes that Orson Welles has attributed to him, yes. And for David Skinner, or for Mike Skinner, it's the same thing, except it could possibly be song lyrics. I don't think we're getting into like any of Orson Welles' like writings here, though, if that's what you're asking. Okay. Okay. Can anybody do, since I'm going to be doing some Orson Welles impressions, would somebody do like a primer impression of him just to kind of get me in the mood? I feel like I need to hear his voice or something. Nah. Pappy. <laughs> What's he sound like? I can't. I I don't have I don't have it in my repertoire. Just like what does he even sound like though? He, he sounds like the brain. Just play a clip from the brain and picking the brain. Here. The brain. I love it. All right. So what we're gonna do here is I'm gonna roll a dice to see which quote Brett gets. All right, I got that. And then I'm gonna roll another dice to see if I do it in my northern indie accent voice. Orson Welles' voice or Street's voice, which may help you, Brett, or may throw you off the scent. And I need to decide if what? You need to say if Orson Welles said it or Mike Skinner of the Street said it. So, Mikey. Okay. This is like miss your out type situation? Yes. If you miss it, you're out. Mikey, can you hit me with that Street's beat? I'm a magician. I appear on stage and on the radio. Wow, there's so many of me and so few of you. Oh, my God. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) 
Holy shit. I'll go with the streets. Brett. Is out. Is out. <gasps> Dang it. That sounded like something Wells would say, but yeah. Such a good guess, Brett. It's so hard to get over that accent. <laughs> it's so intimidating. This is very intense. I don't like that. That was really good, Josh. You threw me off big time. So it's just one and done? <laughs> yeah, I'm out. I'm a magician. <laughs> All right, Brett, you are out. I'm sorry, buddy. Uh, Stevie. Okay. I don't want to play this, Josh. This is hard. I'm going to roll the first dice. <laughs> this is so intense. Let's try to stay positive, Stevie. Okay, I got a quote for you. And... Mikey, no soundtrack needed. This is just my own accent. No, do Orson. Yeah, it's not up to you. It's up to fate. Mm-hmm. The classy gangster is a Hollywood invention. Ooh. The classy gangster is a Hollywood invention. Yeah. Can you do it in the uh, street, streets? Uh... No. I can't help you out in that ways. Can you do it as Donatello? Pizza, man. That's an Edward G. Robinson quote. Hawk Rains. The classy... Ga- I can't even do an Orson accent. God damn it. The classy gangster is a Hollywood invention. The classy gangster is a Hollywood invention. Orson. That is correct, Stevie. Let's go. Great job. Ah, shit. Corey, let me roll here. I guess picking up that roll at all on Mike. Yeah, we can, yeah. it sounds oh, good. Yeah. It sounds awesome. really cool. And Mikey... Hit me up with that streets. <laughs> Wait till it hits. There we go. In a single moment, the whole life can be turned around. <laughs> Is that it? That's it. <laughs> What did you Those say? Those are some fucking sick rhymes, bro. <laughs> <laughs> this is the craziest trivia game of all time. This is my favorite trivia ever. That's got to be Orson Welles. In a single moment, your whole life can turn around is actually attributed to Mike Skinner of the streets. <laughs> yeah. He's surprisingly Mother. insightful, I got to say. Sorry, Corey. You are a Pappy, this is all riding on you, man. Yeah, I got you. Let me grab that quote. Okay, got a number. And Mikey, can you hit that Orson Welles music <gasps> for me? Ooh. I smoked one too many cigarettes. <laughs> I heard. That's the streets. The streets. One too many lies. The streets. Dude, don't cut me off. What the fuck? Sorry. Sorry. I didn't know you. Let the man perform. You were like pausing. It's hard. That's correct. Say it again. No, you okay. got it. You got it. You got it. Give it it. I didn't know what the Orson Welles music would sound like, but that is not what I expected. <laughs> All right. Mikey, you're going to be playing your own music, but that's fine. Here we go. Let me... Okay. I'm it. I got the quote. And this will just be in my accent, okay, Mikey? Is that all right? Mm-hmm. All right. And the quote is, 
original pirate material, you are listening to the streets. Yeah, yeah. This is Mike Skinner. His <laughs> album was named "Original Pirate Material" for crying out loud. Yeah. Give him the easy one. He got Unless a good role. Orson Welles doing a review in NME. <laughs> Uh, uh, for uh, original pirate material. <laughs> what the fuck, Josh? Excellent roll. This is all about the roll. You can hear the dice rolling. Okay. Jeez, Here's- Mine better be your name is Orson Welles. <laughs> when my turn. <laughs> my name. All right, Stevie. Here's here's yours. Oh no. And okay, I think we need that streets music. Nice, uh, Mikey. I like to wait for the beat to hit, if that's okay with you guys. No, thank God that wasn't a quote. I have an unfortunate personality. <laughs> it's just one one line. That's it. That's See, words. Her quotes, these are her <laughs> phrases. <laughs> what the fuck? I have an unfortunate personality. Well, I don't know Mike Skinner, but I know Orson was a fucking dickhead. So let's go with Orson Welles. (laughs) Pat yourself on the back because you are still in the game. Nice. These are just words, Josh. I don't even quotes. (laughs) What are you talking about? Look up quotes from him and this listed, okay? It's not like it made for lunch. Yeah, what's for lunch? Is that Skinner or Orson Welles? Definitely Orson Welles. There's literally some lunch stuff coming up. (laughs) (laughs) Chill out. (laughs) Jesus Christ. All right. Okay. This fucking game, dude. It's my favorite game ever. What makes you think you can beat me? Here it goes. Good answer. Okay. Good answer. A number. Good answer. And your background music will be horse and love. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Mikey. Did you ever stop to think why cops are always famous for being dumb? (laughs) Simple, because they don't have to be anything else. Because they are dumb, simple, because they don't have to be anything else? Um, What was the first? Can you say it again, the first part? (laughs) Do I have to do Orson Welles or can I do just, okay. No, no, just, just. It's actually a disadvantage. (laughs) Okay, okay. Did you ever stop to think why cops are always famous for being dumb? Simple, because they don't have to be anything else. Still got to go to the streets. Pappy, I feel like you might be crashing this on purpose because that is wrong. I thought that was an easy Orson Welles one, but Pappy is gone. I thought that was the streets. So did I. Same. I was trying so hard for you, Corey. Thank you for trying. All right, Mikey. Got your number of quotes. Spin that streets for me, bud. Couple last times. Because this is all zone. Videos, television, 64. Are you insane? PlayStation. (laughs) What? (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) This is clearly the streets. (laughs) 
Did he reference a 64? Yes. Yes, but it can Orson Welles played a lot of 64 back in the day. Many of you don't know, but this is our zone. Right here, we have the Nintendo 64. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Stevie versus Mikey. Rolling for Stevie. Is it? Is it, Josh? Guy, quote. It sounds like me versus you. <laughs> Roll me that Orson Welles, please. God. The quote is, hello. Have you been to the beach? <laughs> you were born alone. And believe me, you'll die alone. <sighs> mm. Playing PlayStation. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you so much, Josh. You were born alone, and believe me, you will die alone. Yeah. Let's do it again. Let's go for Orson. That is a song lyric from Mike Skinner. Mikey, oh, fucking worst. you've been on the schneid wow. for so long. It's been since Thief. I love that movie. I hope you have a... That was like three weeks ago. <laughs> I hope that you have a similar pick in greatness and in tone as the Thief. But we won't find out about that till after the break. Spoiler man, take us away here. And then we'll come back to Mikey's pick. Spoiler Man here. Our Instagram is Podcast Spoilers. It's lit. If you enjoyed what you heard today, subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Spoilers is now available on Audible. Be sure to check out Corey's podcast. Big Dumb Movie. If you'd like to request an episode, hear your name read by Spoiler Man, or even just help us make podcasts, please check us out on patreon.com slash spoilers podcast. And we're back to spoilers. Uh, I think Mikey has made his choice. Mikey, for as much as you rip on other people's like taste in movies and what we pick for spoilers, I gotta be honest, buddy. I really like the things that you bring to the table and the movies you pick. But before we get to your pick again, Pappy, you have a really cool comment that we're re- like someone wrote us. Can you set this up a little bit? I just know that like this got Stevie so pumped. We got a highlighted comment from Pico on the YouTube channel saying, this is the Raid 2 uh, episode, by the way. Um, He said, hell yeah, this movie was dope. I watched it many times. This is the perfect interpretation of the movie. Not all YouTube movie reviewers understand this movie in depth. There's a lot of subtlety. This movie doesn't pamper its audience. I wish this were a video podcast. Seriously, you guys are hilarious. Well, Pico, 
There is a video episode of spoilers available up on our YouTube channel if you look for that. I think it's our pinned video on our profile. And I don't know if I've read this one, just real quick. iTunes review, best from Wii! Five stars. This movie's reviews plus reactions are great. You guys are super funny. So we'll read your YouTube comments if they're nice, and we'll read all iTunes reviews. So please leave those. Explorer Man told you to. Thank you, Pico. You are my Degayo. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Badoom. Just another another banger joke from Brett. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Mikey, I feel like we are not the same. I feel like at least we can connect in our dislike for the trivia on this podcast. So I'm always rooting for you to win the trivia. You won it tonight. Congratulations. What is your pick? Uh, yeah, trivia, very controversial in my eyes every week. <laughs> I hated this trivia this week. Just going to hey, say that. No. I don't appreciate the, this win. I'm not going to count it in my record books <laughs> as official. Uh, disgusting win by me. But uh, I think I'm going to choose The Hunt for Red October. It's a political spy thriller type movie that I really enjoy. And I just want to watch a spy movie. I'm, yeah. I've never seen it. it. It's the. Jack Ryan? Jack Ryan, yeah. The first Jack Ryan. Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin's Jack Ryan. Yep. Alec Baldwin just killed someone, by the way. He didn't. Someone on set died. I think they said he fired the gun. Was he the one? Oh, man. I saw that somewhere in passing while we were podcasting. Wait, what is that? What are you talking about? Holy shit. There's a, there was a Brandon Lee situation on the set of Alec Baldwin's new movie or show, and it was supposed to be a prop gun that was supposed to have blanks in it when it was fired. There was oh either a rod God. or an actual bullet in there because the director of photography, she was a 42-year-old woman. I don't know her name. Uh, she died on set. By Alec Baldwin's hand. Oh Incredible. I don't think... Blank guns hack and put bullets. Once again, spoilers, topical accident. We, we nailed it again. This is going to be very <laughs> topical when this comes out and whether Alec Baldwin actually killed the person. So Good timing. <laughs> to tell us what's coming down the pike, but you know what? I think talking about that kind of fulfills the end segment. So, mm-hmm. yeah. we're d- Alec Baldwin's trial coming down the pike. <laughs> be sure to watch for that. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, 75-year-old movies can be a trip to just check out and talk about. So thanks for tuning in. And this was Spoilers. Special thank you to our patrons. The Meg. Well, she realizes now that whatever story you told her about Meineke was false. Nick. What good are words? I'm sick of words. Druid King. This obscenity must be destroyed. Do you hear me? Destroyed! Matt Troll. Well, you must uh, know just about everybody in town here. David. His name is Rankin. Nurse Stacy. I'm sorry, I... I have a way of making enemies when I'm on that subject. I get pretty unpopular. Brother Brian. He's Supreme Court Justice, you know. Brother Ellis. I think he's full of prunes.
Josh, don't let him get all over you. You better, you need to stare at the geezers and let them know you ain't lightweight. Go see your mates, and when they don't look happy, uh, play them as tight. Steve, how can you be mad? I'm not mad, Josh. I'm happy that it happened. I'm sad that it's over. <laughs> Here's one of the Orson Welles quotes. Ask not what you can do for your country. Ask what's for lunch. <laughs> I would have gotten that one right. Yep. Mikey, let us know when you got a pick. Okay, I got one. I'm ready. I made like. And we're back. Oh, we're back. Oh, Sorry. go ahead. Oh no, no. We can, I can always come back again. What's no, it's back? stupid. I was. I made like my one of my favorite jokes of all time, and nobody heard it. And now I don't even like. Just go. It's so dumb, but it's made me laugh so <laughs> well, so much. What was it? Well, when Josh said when Josh said Orson Wilson, I said, "Wow." Brett. And I was like, that I, is so good, and nobody heard me. <laughs> I'm I think that's funny, Brett. Good job. Thanks. That was spoilers.